What I appreciate most about my dad in my years as a young adult is how much he encourages me and my siblings to get together and be a part of each other's lives. Often when we do get together, he makes a point to tell us to go to dinner and he gets the bill. Or if I'm with my sister, he'll give us money to go shopping. Even if he's not around, he always finds it important for me to enjoy time with my siblings. And I know I will forever cherish the relationships I have with my siblings, even after my parents are no longer around. everyone, I'm Denise Gorant. Welcome to Bite Your Tongue, the podcast. Thanks for joining us as we speak with experts, authors, parents, and even young adults to explore the transition from parenting our young children to building healthy relationships with our now adults. Hopefully we'll grow together, learn about ourselves, our young adults, and of course, when to bite our tongues. We are so happy you're with us. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bite Your Tongue, the podcast. Before we start, I want to thank and do a quick shout out to all the listeners who have already purchased a Bite Your Tongue mug. I certainly can't name them all here, but this is a start. Thank you so much to Jen B., Stacy L., Kathy B., Henry J., Stephen B., Marjorie L., Val H., and Linda C. We're so grateful for your support. For others who want to support us, you certainly can buy a mug on our website or even just buy us a cup of coffee. There will be links and more information for all of this on our website at www.biteyourtonguepodcast.com. Look for the tab at the top right that says how to support us. Now let's get started. Happy Father's Day and dads, this episode's for you. The role of the father has changed so much since when I was young, even when I raised my kids. Today, the young adults are changing it up even more. With two women hosts, it seems we get hijacked a bit with mother issues. But today, we're talking about dads and the father's role in the life of our young adult children. We're welcoming Dr. Daryl Goldenberg. We learned about him when we saw an article he wrote called The Psychology Behind Strained Father-Son Relationships. He has found that over the years of working particularly with men in therapy, the issues that come up with careers or relationships can often be traced back to the lack of relationships with their father. Today, in honor of Father's Day, we want to talk about the father's role in the life of the emerging adult. We tend to focus so much on mothers, and the father is behind the curtain, or many times silent. I know in my own family, I tend to be the one who brings up the difficult issues with my adult children. My husband will skirt the issues. Welcome, Dr. Goldenberg. Hey, hi. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So first tell me why you found this topic of the whole father-son relationship so much of interest and the role it's played in your practice. So I grew up in a household where I was abused uh, over the years. Uh, my father was a well-intended disciplinarian, but was abusive. And I accidentally bumped into the field of psychology. I needed a part-time job. 
while I was going to school and a friend got me a job in Vancouver, Canada, which is where I'm from, doing some counseling work with children. And I found myself just really taking to it. And anyways, as I began to sort of look at my own life, back in those days, there was quite a pressure. If you're going to look into helping other people, you should look at yourself. And as I began to do that, I realized I carried a lot of anger, a lot of anger at my own father. And so in the process of coming to terms with that and sorting that out, once I graduated from school, I realized, okay, I am a man who's been dealing with a lot of issues about growing up myself, finding a career and trying to make sense of childhood where I, you know, felt largely mistreated and disregarded and had to come to terms with that. So anyways, that's, that really affected my going forward with this area of interest, which led to me leading men's groups for about 10 years in Vancouver. And, um, and then from that, doing couples work, et cetera. So it's interesting that you say that. And I didn't know this before we were speaking, um, because one thing I wrote down was that many fathers, and I'm being very general in this, tend to be the disciplinarian in the family. And I know situations um, around me where I've discussed with friends, um, sometimes it's an overuse of anger and an overuse of control, which sounds like something that might have happened in your family. So as these kids grow up, how can the father get control of this you know, or I guess they first have to sort of identify that this kind of strict disciplinarian is going to affect their kids in the long run, number one. And how do they deal with their anger? How do they learn to get over it as their kids grow up? So anger is probably one of the most misunderstood, least talked about emotions across the board. The, the importance is getting to understand the difference between effective and productive anger and unproductive, ineffective anger. And what happens is most men don't make that discernment. They don't sort it out. So when you grow up without having really questioned how you express your anger, uh, when you're frustrated, when your kid annoys you, when you're troubled, um, you step up and you express it as directly as you can. The problem is that there isn't really a measured kind of anger, which is the more intelligent anger, which is you have every right to be frustrated. You have every right to be concerned about your shaping this child who for the first 12 months of life is just this enjoyable blob. And now all of a sudden you have to spend the next many years shaping them to be a civil citizen and find a way into the world where they have skills and they can relate to people. And so that's a hefty task. But in the shaping, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be bumps in the road. And I think what happens is there's just a lack of consideration for what am I feeling and how can I express that in a way that's effective? And instead, it gets expressed what I'd say more impulsively. I'm done with you. I've told you so many times. And then there comes a spanking or whatever. And the child then feels humiliated or shamed. And, and oftentimes the parent may or may not feel remorse about it because they may feel, well, this is how I'm going to shape this kid. And they, they deserved it. They had it coming. And they themselves, when they were children, these fathers that are now parenting with, I would say, more of a, a heavy hand, they were never effectively parented themselves. They never learned about anger. 
anger should be a controlled emotion and it's it should be thought about um and also i think at times it's mixed up with also the subject of how much of a relationship do i have with my son because if you don't have a relationship with your son or your daughter and you're doing the disciplining then that's also another issue because the child feels like who are you why are you treating me this way I don't even relate to you. I don't even know you. I don't even maybe even feel cared about by you. And yet you're feeling like you're entitled to do this to me. In, in most cases, the father thinks they're showing love by this controlled anger, because at least from what I understand, and I've read, if you were raised this way, you tend, that's the parenting style, you know. So how does someone who's raised that way, like you, for example, and maybe for the first 10 years or 12 years, or even they've done this and now they're identifying, gosh, I don't have a relationship with my kid. My kid's 18 years old. He or she can't wait to get out of the house. What role have I played in this? And how can I make a change? You have to be willing to look at yourself and you have to be willing to consider, am I going about this in an effective way? Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book where he talked about the 10,000 hour rule, quoting, I think, the Beatles about how they came to be an amazing band. Well, they played 235 acts three years in a row. And John Lennon said, look, if you worked and played at music as much as we did, you would have been pretty good, too. So there ought to be somebody to write a blog called the 5,000 hour rule. Maybe I'll do it someday on what it takes to be in a relationship. Relationships involve emotional intelligence and they involve a, a skill where you've really considered your different ways of relating to the people you're close to. And how am I going to be with these people? And for whatever reason, the way most of us men have been socialized and adapted to our reality, we haven't had that emotional training. We haven't had those emotional lessons. And so we don't get the nuances of relationship. We don't learn how to look at ourselves or question ourselves. And so there tends to be a defensive way of going about doing things. I mean, I have a few quotes I loved here that I wanted to just see if I could. Please share them. Okay. Franz Kafka the German novelist wrote uh, a letter to his father. It's called a letter, letter to my father. What was always inco- incomprehensible to me was your total lack of feeling for the suffering and shame you could inflict on me with your words and judgments. Kafka goes on to say that the hostility his father expressed against him as a child, he now turns against himself. My father's method of upbringing had saddled me with a general load of fear, weakness, and self-contempt. As an adult, Kafka was haunted by his father's hostile and impatient presence in his mind. So that's that's a good example of the -the over-the-top approach. Another guy writes about not so much an abusive father, but an absent father. This was in that article that I'd written before, but I, I thought these were good quotes. And This was somebody I worked with in therapy. And he says, my father was a successful clothing salesman who worked a lot. But even when he was home on weekends, he wasn't available. All of my life, I've suffered from uncertainties about my masculinity. I think it's because he never shared anything about himself with me. He didn't tell me what kinds of problems he wrestled with, what he felt, or what it meant to him to be a man. I've had to make it all up for myself. And I'm never sure I got it right. I love that. I I think that's 
a very true situation in many families today where everyone's working so hard and not taking the time to have the relationship rather than the role of parenting, it seems to me. As Father's Day approaches and I think about what I appreciate the most about what my father gave me in my young adult life, as a kid, I think I'd probably talk about trips to the movies or treats that we had while we were out or even being able to grab a couple bucks that fell out of his pocket when he was napping on the couch. But now I think more about his sense of humor, playing with him on the golf course, and I think about the important things that I've picked up from him, whether he's explicitly taught them to me or I've absorbed them. I think his calm and encouraging support has been a big differentiator in my life, and it's a reminder that I'm on my own journey and that I can be who I want and don't have to fit into some definition that I think is uh, you know, important. It's a reminder from my father to me that I should enjoy the journey I'm on, enjoy the challenges, the frustrations and everything as much as I can, and in the end, just strive to be happy. So can you repair a relationship that started out poorly as your child becomes an adult? Is there anything? That, what are your suggestions? You can repair it, but it involves work. Yeah. And it involves a different kind of work and a different kind of courage that you don't see in the old school style guys. Let me just talk a little bit about that. Okay. I would love you to. What I wanted to mention is, so what is a challenge to, man, to a man to develop this emotional ability to connect? So to have emotional closeness, you have to make it a lifestyle. This is like, I want to have an emotional lifestyle. I want to be close to the people I'm living with. I want to be close to my children. I want to be close to my wife or, you know, or my, my lover, if it's a gay relationship. I want to be close to my, my deepest friends. And I'm not. And what are the strategies that I've learned to deal with my pain? So I've learned disconnection strategies that are ways, you know, to, to bury my pain and bury my unfinished business with my own childhood experiences. So you can tell by how I'm starting to talk about this, they have to be willing to get to those underlying issues that interfere now with being more vulnerable with a child, an adult child now who's trying to repair something with them. So the adult child is coming to them and saying things that are critical. Well, let's say it's a father. A son is saying, you know, I really, there were things you did for me, but there's a lot you didn't. You never came to one of my baseball games. I never felt like we had really any personal conversations. The only time I saw you emotional was when somebody died in our family. And the father is listening to this and he's saying, you got to be kidding me. Who do you think paid for those baseball uniforms? <laughs> Who do you think got you signed up at, at baseball league? So the father is defensive right. and he's not wanting to hear out his son. And so what happens is there's a stalemate. And what I'm saying is it's incumbent on the father to learn to listen deeply. To do that, you have to get beyond your reactivity. You have to be able to say to yourself, what is this adult child of mine really trying to say to me? Are they just trying to get me? Are they just trying to, you know, be nasty? Are they just trying to be harsh, harsh rather with me? No, they're trying to convey something that's really interfered with their ability to be close to you now. So for a man to learn how to relate, they've got to learn about their defensiveness. And Robert Bly, a famous novelist who I loved and poet, he wrote, 
in my father's wedding, 1924. He already had his bark-like skin then, made rough, especially to repel the sympathy he longs for, didn't need, and wouldn't accept. When I read that, I thought, boom, that really captured it. These avoidant patterns, these avoidance and numbing patterns, what I call these disconnection strategies, work to get you through your childhood pain work to get you through your childhood hurt, your injuries. You have to be willing to face and work through your individual insecurities and personal flaws. There's no way around it. If you don't, this is the core personal development curriculum. Any kind of therapist, whatever they get down to, this is what they're dealing with, your personal insecurities and your personal flaws. And how do you work them out? So that you can learn to be more able to listen and be less defensive. So these kind of deeper emotions the children are bringing to a father, um, be it a daughter or a son, they want to be heard. They want to be listened to. The, the child isn't even insisting that they agree. You know, the father could listen to everything his son is saying and saying, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. In my mind, I thought I had done a lot for you. But in hearing what you're saying, I can see that you felt like there wasn't enough of a, an emotional connection. You know what? I didn't know how to do that. Right, but I want right. to learn how to do that now with you. You know, you are special to me. You matter to me. I can see that you took some time to try to get me to hear something that's hard for me to hear. And to me, that's a celebration that that child is reaching out to even continue to have a relationship because they could just be mad and move on and not take that time. But I want to ask one thing. So let's say you've been the father that went to the baseball games and was around all the time and the kid felt very connected. What I find sometimes changes now <laughs> the daughter or son becomes a young adult and the father was great going to the baseball games. The father was great playing video games. The father was great throwing the baseball in the backyard. But now that this son or daughter, but like, you know, becomes an adult, the daughter, the father doesn't know his role. Like, how involved do I get? We're not playing baseball anymore. My son's making really big choices. Where is my involvement here? I find, and again, I'm being general. Fathers tend to sit back and don't touch on the touchy details where the mother will say, how's your job? How's your relationship? The father will say, did the Broncos win today? You know, it's sort of a superficial fun relationship. So, okay. so what's the growth in that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about patriarchy just for a minute. Okay. Something Terry Real says, who's a, a couples therapist, a uniquely really good one. He said, patriarchy was never built for intimacy but it was built for stability, clear lineage, production, and consumption. Relationships are built on democracy, a meeting of peers where you're each exchanging your own needs, wants, and values, learning how to communicate about those and receive that communication and respond. So many men are stuck. They're, they're, they're between two worlds. There's the old school world, the version of the traditional guy, unabashedly patriarchal, or even if he's not unabashedly, he was raised in that, and centrally concerned with his power and his ability to dominate. He does not know how to relate as an equal. 
When children grow up into being adults, the role playing can stop. Parents could use new friends. Children can use friends. It's now an opportunity to become friends. Now, if this father doesn't know about emotional relationship, if his lifestyle isn't about having an emotional lifestyle, it's about being a provider, it's being about being wealthy, it's about being having status, he's not going to get anywhere with it. I mean, I loved listening in on a lecture, Ariana Huffington, who took Huffington Post public, she was talking about how she, because this isn't just men, but women, how she found herself just before she took Huffington Post public. She was exhausted and she passed out and on her way to the floor. She hit her chin on her desk and woke up in a pool of blood. When she woke up from that, and she's a great speaker, and she woke up from that, she felt like such an idiot. Like, what am I doing? How am I living my life? And she said that she had based her life on back actually two legs to a stool, power and status, but not well-being. Well-being involves emotional connection to oneself and to others in your life that matter. So if you're going to focus on well-being, that emotional connection, she realized she wanted to get more connected to her daughters. She wanted to get more connected to herself. I believe she started therapy. She wrote a book on sleep. I mean, but she's she's sort of from that world. You know what I mean? Yeah, she does that, but she's still got the status and the power. You know, whatever she said, you know, she's still, right. even though she's right. writing about sleep and all that, is she connecting? The thing is that, so men are going to concern themselves now and still are with status and power. That's a lot what we're raised with. I'm not suggesting that's all there is to life. I'm just giving an example of somebody in that world that has really made that their focus. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That you mm -hmm. can also introduce the idea of well-being. You don't have to have status and power to pursue well-being. What your children want is they want a relationship. They want one which is more democratic, where we're meeting as peers. Fathers have trouble if they're used to only being needed and giving advice and problem solving. So all of a sudden, a child doesn't want the advice. They don't need the problem solving. I just want to relate to you. You know, what's on your mind? What worries you these days? Are you anxious about getting older? How are things with, you know, with our mother? How are things in your, with your friendship circle? Children want to admire their parents. They want to see someone there that's, that's kind of moved in a direction that's enviable or that's, that, that's respectable, that, that means something. So it's trying to find places of finding a shared meaning. You know, and what can we share together? I think it's also in, incumbent to find things we can share together. Mm -hmm. Shared experiences bring us together. So I agree with you that where men may have been more focused on the activities, the sports, you know, or playing tennis together or playing baseball together. It's not just activity based relating. Now it's also based on emotional connection. Yeah, I love what you say that because really it is about relationships. And I think it's hard. It's really hard when you've been a quote unquote parent for 18 years. And even, even as kids are, between, I would say between 18 and 25, so the kids really got their feet on the ground and independent, you have to change your role. Yeah, absolutely. It's because very hard to do. At different stages in a child's development, different things are needed and wanted. Mm -hmm. So as they become teenagers and as they become later in their teenage life, young adults, they, you have to sort of realize 
that now their peers, they largely turn to their peers, not entirely. They still need some parental guidance, but be the kind of parent that they want to come to to ask for guidance. Don't impose it. So if you have, you know, if your young adult child is involved in a relationship that's really destructive and abusive, or they're involved with an addict, or they're involved with somebody they really see as, quote, a loser, are they going to talk to you about it? Well, they may not. They may not trust you. They may not want your input. You know, I remember my my father actually rode his bicycle something like six or seven miles. I was living in Chinatown in Vancouver at the time. They were living in another section of Vancouver. And I hear this knock on my door and I turn to my girlfriend, you know, wife almost. And I like, who the hell is that? It's six in the morning. It's the day we're getting married. So I go to the door, like drag myself. I think somebody's run into my car or something. And it's my father. And I see him on his bicycle. This is the day of your wedding. Day of my wedding. Day of your wedding. Okay. I say, this better be good. We start going for a walk. And he starts to say, so, you know, your wife. Gina, I said, yeah, of course. Well, you know where she comes from? I said, yeah, of course I know where she comes from. Her father used to herd sheep until he was 13 in Portugal. Then he left and went to a mining town in goddamn Ontario and broke his neck to make a living. And then he brought his daughter and his wife over. And well, you know, you're going to be marrying down. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You've got to be kidding me. I said, I am so close to disinviting you. From the wedding, just get the hell out of here. Just go. Did you ever repair that relationship with your father? Is he still no, around? No, but here's what happened. That night at the wedding, we got into, we had drowned, we'd been each drinking. Right. And I started, we got into a pillow fight at a wedding. Where did you was, get the pillows from? So this was, <laughs> we rented a house. Oh, okay. A band coming. It was okay. sort of an unconventional setup. Right, right. And I realized that I really wanted to do him harm. So I backed off and I realized this was something I had to deal with in my own therapy, but it put me in touch with how intrusive I, he had been in my life and he had no relationship with me. So I didn't value anything much that he had to offer. And especially when he or he was coming to give me some advice uh, with a woman who I was in love with and yeah, you know, their family was a working class family, but I still at that time you know, was in love and thought the world of her. So not only that, you know, he rode his bike all the way over there. He thinks he's really doing a good thing And his. That's something in his heart that's saying, if I don't do this and tell my son this, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. 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 No, there's no question. That's, that's the Gordian knot, so to speak, is that he is so off base and yet believes he's so well-intentioned and he's revealing something to me that I hadn't seen or that's going to turn my mind around or have me pause to reflect. Sure. You know, those can be real life situations. I mean, that was wonderfully shown in Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon and that girl, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and he's this working class guy. Thank God he had great friends and a great therapist in the movie, but. And a very good mind. (laughs) And a very good mind. Yes, absolutely. He was well-intentioned. But he was so disconnected from himself. We were not able to repair that. You never no. repaired it. Never no, repaired I it. tried to do therapy with my father, but he was very uncomfortable with it. Totally thought I was over-exaggerating experiences growing up because I had been hit a lot in the name of discipline. Right. I had acquired a, a kind of rage over time and didn't realize this. 
until I started opening some things up in therapy. So yeah, that had been my health. When is it ever right? You bring up the situation of significant other and the father has a decent relationship with his kid. When is the father entitled to say, I'm a little worried about this woman you're marrying, or I'm a little concerned about this man you're marrying ever? Okay. So I'm, I'm quoting movies for some reason. Oh, just go for it. We can all identify. Remember that? Remember About Time? It's an English movie where the, the actor, father, and I'm terrible with names, has the ability to go back in time and reset. I, I, don't, I don't think I saw this, but maybe I better watch movie. it. Anyways, okay. when the son falls in love with this girl, he takes them to meet his mother. The first words out of his mother's mouth to his girlfriend is what are your faults? To the girl, to the young woman. To the young woman. Okay. And I thought that was precious. And I thought that was so clever. In them. And it's a great movie, by the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but it really, sh- and it, because it shows the, it shows all the insecurities of a young boy trying to find a woman and all that process and then finding someone that he cares about. And then he, you're introducing them to your parents. But he had a relationship with both his parents. So if you have a relationship with both your parents, I think you have a lot more freedom. It's when you don't have a relationship with your kids that, you know, it's, and obviously that was obviously a a dramatized movie, but then you can ask your son, you know, Hey, can I, can I say something about my concerns? Absolutely. Men and women, women and men that are about to get married, men and men, men, women and women, whatever the combinations these days, you want to vet your partner if you have close family members, absolutely, with your friends as well. What do you think of my choice? You know, I think it's important that there be some vetting. Absolutely. I get a little concerned about that. So I have two adult children. And if one of them was dating someone and I had concerns, I'm not sure I would say anything only because who am I to know what goes on inside that relationship? Does It would have to be a pretty big thing that I see. Does that make sense? Yes. But what I'm talking about, first of all, is I'm asking, I'm asking, right. That's true. I'm asking my son or I'm asking my daughter, is it okay to say what my thoughts are? You know, I had somebody I was working with and he was concerned. His daughter had a girlfriend and they were looking to get married. And he was asking, you know, um, about some concerns he had because he saw his, his daughter's girlfriend is depressed a lot. Okay. And he just wondered, you know, do you think that'll be an issue? They had a relationship. His daughter was okay with him asking. So it can be done in a sensitive way. I've seen other situations where that hasn't gone so well, where friends have said, you know, that I think I'm concerned. I see your girlfriend as not such a great match. You know, in that particular issue, it was about her weight. They were wondering about that issue, possibly as being a psychological issue. And that person was really offended. It, it can go all kinds of ways, but I think that I, in an ideal world, you know, people that are about to make that kind of decision with somebody, I think it's important. I think it's important to get some other inputs. People may feel differently than I do, but I do think that's important. Now, whether it comes from the parents or comes from close, dear friends, I think it's important. And I guess I'm thinking this through because I guess I would probably couch it with, again, you know your relationship better than I do. Don't make any decisions on what I'm saying. I just want you to think about this because I would hate 
the kid to make a decision. You know, the parents, what the parents say has enormous influence on the child um, at almost any age. And particularly if you have a good relationship. And I would be so afraid that I would be influencing something that was wonderful. I hear all that. What I tell couples, if you want to know what I tell couples. Yeah, right, tell me, please. Because <laughs> I say, I think the, the prenups are a good idea because people have a lot of feelings about money. Right. And some people take offense to that. I don't. Especially if there's a difference, a real difference in what you're bringing in. And I say, find out if that person's open to therapy. Because it's only a matter of time until my damaged self right. runs into your damaged self. Very Within true. two to seven years, you're going to start running into one another's damaged good selves. Mm -hmm. And we're all damaged goods. As far as I'm concerned, it's rare that I don't see somebody like that. We have faults. We have insecurities. We have things that are off. Um, we have blind sides. And you want to make damn sure that after investing all that time and energy, you've got a person that's resilient enough and open enough to open the relationship up if we get into trouble. I think that is really, really important. I 100% agree with you. 100%. Absolutely. And I would add that in when it comes to getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. I would also want to think about that. A lot of relationships crash and burn after the people. After the baby. Mm -hmm. Brings up enormous strains on the relationship. Mm -hmm. Every ugly thing about you will show up and people are often not able to cope with that emotional ugliness. That's going to happen. You have to learn about and accept that and be able to work that through. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. A quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. And men, if you're listening, make sure to tell your wife about this fabulous offer from our sponsor, ShaperMint. They have the most amazing bras and other shapewear. Hey, including bathing suits, and we all need a new bathing suit. Just go to shapermint.com, and when you check out, use the code BITEYOURTONGUE, no spaces, and get 20% off your purchase. And if you'd like to win a $150 gift certificate to Shapermint, just email us your ideas for upcoming episodes, or tell us what you love about the podcast, and you will be entered to win. That's shapermint.com, S-H-A-P-E-R-M-I-N-T.com, and put bite your tongue in the code for 20% off. Now back to the episode. As a young adult, what I appreciate most about my father is that he taught me his worth ethic. I think just coming, if you could say from a little ranch down in Mexico over to the United States and just providing a better future for his family and just demonstrating that to every one of his children um, and doing his best. I think just he might not be able to give us everything we've wanted. He's able to give us, you know, the values that we have, the worth ethic that was instilled in all of us. So the only issue I have with my father is, I think just being compared, it's more of a pet peeve I would say, um, but in a way I've grown to kind of love it and just be like, yeah, I am like my dad, you know? Um, he's the man who've made me 
the person I am. A little bit about financial support. This is a difficult area with adult kids and their parents. What's the father's role? So the father has been the provider. Again, a generalization, maybe the mother has contributed just as much. The son's car needs a repair, down payment on a house, whatever. What role should the parent, the father play in that, I guess? How does the father deal with the asks of financial uh, questions? I see a lot of relationships where I see young adults that are on a parental string, which is complicated. I paid for your school loans. You've now got an undergraduate degree of $100,000. And you're telling me you don't want to pursue a practical degree in um, computer science. You want to go off and do a degree on political science or in literature. Are you crazy? And now the young adult is like lying to their parents because they're afraid to tell them the truth. Yeah, I don't want to get that degree, but I now feel like I'm stuck. I'm stuck with this loan that you won't pay off unless I go along with what you want. So I've seen lots of very mixed up situations, unfortunately. I understand all sides of it. I, I'm of the view that you want to really assess how responsible your adult child is mm-hmm. with money, because it's, it's important that your adult child is working and earning their way. And your generosity is important, but it shouldn't take the place mm-hmm. of that. Like, I really think there's something to earning I your way. Too. I do too. And, 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 and you don't want to take that away. Like I remember a psychologist back in Vancouver describing this family that I knew. And he said something where, I don't know why he was talking about a very wealthy, one of the wealthiest families in Vancouver. And he knew some of the children possibly had seen them in therapy. And he said, they're the spoiled deprived. And I never heard that phrase before. I said, what do you mean deprived? Well, they're deprived of frustration. They need to learn to deal with frustration and overcome that frustration and work that frustration through. And I thought that was a powerful lesson at that moment. I like that that. term that you use, the string attached, because I think sometimes, particularly fathers, and maybe I'm wrong, use that string to continue the relationship. The more I give monetarily, the more I treat them, the more I whatever, they'll have a relationship with me. Yeah. So that's that's a going nowhere relationship. That's that's really uh, a relationship where there's manipulation involved to get what I want. And I don't believe in those kind of relationships. I believe that they lead to all kinds of complications and misfirings. And I hear that in my office. I'll hear a father complaining about feeling like he's He's just, just a, a paycheck. Mm-hmm. His daughter doesn't really care for him, but they both played mm-hmm. into it. The kids like the easier life. They like the comforts. They like that kind of more luxurious lifestyle and they get hooked on that. And that takes the place of them. How do you stop? Life. Now it started. How do you stop? So I would, again, if both parties are in it, it may, it may need professional help. To stop it because it's been going on probably mm-hmm. for years and to get it to really stop you may want to try to have a consultation with a therapist that deals with parent child mm-hmm. issues and can be frank and helpful and understand the feelings of both parties because it's it's usually it's 
like you were saying earlier, even about my father coming mm-hmm. to my house, it was, it was well intended. intended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. well intentioned. If I hadn't been so. If your dad didn't love you, he wouldn't have got on his bike and rode over there. Yeah, right. But unfortunately, our relationship was so banged up and bruised. I couldn't see that. I couldn't hear that, you know, and and unfortunately. So sometimes it helps to have somebody. That's why I was recommending therapy, because I knew I couldn't see my father anymore. He was too defensive. He was like that quote where his skin was his bark like skin then made rough, especially to repel the sympathy he longs for, didn't need, and wouldn't accept. And there you have John Wayne. There you have a lot of those 50 caricatures mm-hmm. of men right there. That was my father. And he wouldn't go for the therapy. And, you know, I want to talk about alternative lifestyles because I've read a lot that it's the father that has a very difficult time when their son chooses or comes out or, you know, is trans, chooses an alternative lifestyle. The father just can't, it's almost a, uh, they take it as a slap in the face in their own masculinity. How can a father accept his child's alternative lifestyle, whatever that might be? So everything you're coming back to when you're asking about the father's having a hard time, what are they having a hard time with? They're having a hard time with the feelings it stirs up in them from hearing that information, but they go so fast that they don't, they're not able to spit. So what is he feeling? So if he's interested and he has to decide this, am I interested in knowing my child in really knowing them in Hebrew, the word for love is mixed up with the word lehakir, which is to know we love trees. We love you know, movies, we love music, we love a woman, we love a man. It's thrown around so loosely. But to bring the word of knowing someone, validation of someone, really considering them, that's so key. That is so key. I wrote something down here that I wanted to talk about. Just we have to talk about relational needs. Men don't talk about relational needs. So we want to feel connected. We want to be close. We want to validate and recognize. We want to be known and we want to know. We want to be confirmed and we want to confirm. We want to be liked. We want to like somebody. We want to enjoy somebody. We want to be enjoying them. So these components of connectedness, validation and recognition, affection and liking, Let's talk about those are the basics for relational needs because so many words get tossed around psychologically. You end up with this tossed salad and nothing really gets kind of accented. But again, relational needs, what are they? So if that father wants to be connected to the son that's just come out or to the son that's trans or to the daughter that's come out or to the daughter that's trans, how do I stay connected? How do I validate something that I don't understand that's so upsetting to me? How do I continue to enjoy her or like her? I don't know how to do it. So I have to be willing to realize the conflict emerges when there's those unmet needs. The child, his adult child, wants to be known, wants to be recognized, still wants that closeness, wants those relational those relational needs she's expressing or he's expressing to his father and the father's rejecting them, but he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. And then you're in a stalemate 
And then what's in place of that? Superficiality, lots of rejection, lots of trouble. So we have to decide. And this is going back to what I, I liked about what Terry Real said about patriarchy. I really like that quote too. Lot. Yeah, read that again. Patriarchy was never built for intimacy, but it was built for stability, for clear lineage, for production and consumption. If we want intimacy, we have to approach it as some democratic kind of force. It's a meeting of peers with each of our own needs and values mattering to one another. Has to be that significant. It's a radical shift. And men have to have that courage to make that emotional shift. Otherwise, as you read that, I realize it's generations and generations and generations. The transition takes time. And I think, at least from what I see in the world, men have become more open to their emotions in some cases, not all cases, but compared to, you know, the the immigrants that came over and different things like that, that there's... Oh my God, you're right. looking exactly. at one. And I was you're raised by immigrant family parents too. Um, no, but I was extremely right, right. I was extremely messed up right, in terms right. of, you know, I'm a recovered right. jerk. <laughs> I mean, really. But that takes I a was, lot of work. It takes a lot of work. You can't change yeah, overnight. Yeah. And it, it, it and, yeah. and, and that will, I think the overall writing of this conversation is working on that in these relationships will help you move forward in almost every aspect of your relationship with your adult kid. Right. You have to, at some point, realize there is more than just a few intelligences. There just isn't the intelligence to make money and be a great provider. And there is other intelligences like an emotional IQ. And if you're going to develop that emotional skill set, it's like I said earlier, you put in that time, those 10,000 hours to become a professional, to, to focus. I mean, we pay people in our culture that focus, mm-hmm. okay? If you're a surgeon, if you're a successful business guy, okay. You've been able to focus your concentration, your skill, whether it's a dentist, a teacher, a professor, you know, whatever it is, a carpenter, you've really invested in a certain skill set and you went about finding a mentor and developing those skills. The same to develop emotional skills. Don't be a nut about this. You have to realize it's not going to come from a a conversation or a confrontation with one or two people or one or two friends. It's a concentrated effort to change the way you relate to develop relational skills. Very interesting. Now, usually when we end, I ask people to give me two things or three things we want to leave with. But before we do that, since you have a specialty um, as this executive director of the Autism Center, is that right? I want to make sure I have that right. I would love to know, and, and I know it's probably longer than one question or whatever, but what role does the father, what role can the father play that will be very helpful as their young adult special needs child becomes an adult. Okay. So first of all, what you're talking about is one of the highest divorce divorce Mm -hmm. rates are special Mm -hmm. needs parents. The enormous pressure on both parents. You know, I just talked about having a child. It's bringing enormous stress. Now you're having a, you're giving birth to a a special needs child. It needs all these special resources. Okay. So now what happens What happens in a typical family is we specialize, okay? You're the breadwinner. You're going to be the caretaker. 
again, men and men, women and women, you know, heterosexual relationships, we specialize. There's more specialization when you have a special needs child from what I've experienced mm-hmm. and what I've seen. Also, you're dealing with couples that don't have the time to come in for couples therapy, which is one of the things I've really tried to change and haven't really made much of a dent in, haven't given up on. But that's been one of the biggest things that's honestly. But doesn't the cost play into that because they have so many other expenses with the child? It's the time. It's the time. There is such a scarcity of time, sometimes the resources, but you have all kinds of insurance availability. Mm -hmm. Now it's the time. So when you're asking me about the father and the role he can play. Yeah. I mean, so generally the men aren't as involved. They aren't, you know, when the programs are being run at home, because most of the programs are run in the schools or at home, their after school programs are from three to five. They're working with helping develop relational skills and more focusing skills and helping the kids learn to access, access, excuse me, curriculum. Those are really, really intensive learning experiences. And generally it's the mother. And sometimes it's not even the mother. Sometimes it's a caretaker. So whoever can invest with a child, we go for. Now you're talking about adult, adulthood, which is a whole other bowl of wax, which is now what practical skills has my adult child, my special needs child acquired? What are they capable of and finding opportunities for them? And certainly fathers can play a role and generally play more of a role in that aspect, I think, in children. And and that's actually one of the most difficult things is creating a quality of life for a special needs child, because that covers where are they going to live? Do they have friends and what are they going to do for a living? So those three things are the biggest and most important things. And those are all major projects. Some kids on the spectrum, for instance, I worked with kids on the spectrum, are much more impacted. Some kids are less impacted. The much more impacted, it's going to be very hard for them to find work situations in in the working world. They could find supported work employment things. So that involves a lot of energy finding out what are government-sponsored programs that are available, because I still want my adult child to have some skill development going on. I'd like them to be maybe in a group home where they're around mm-hmm. other young adults like themselves. But it's, I mean, it's major right. work. And that's a big conversation. But I think what you did say, and I, the reason big I bring it up is I feel like, yes, the mother or whoever the caregiver was can have that role when they're younger. But the father can step to the plate quite a bit as they get older and need some Absolutely. of that support. Yeah, and, yeah. and they do. And then there's, there's certain corporations like Ralph's and that are stepping up and they'll hire a lot of that in Colorado certain, too. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain corporations. I remember a guy here in Pasadena. I live in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. It's had money enough, a lawyer to set up a vineyard and where he'd hired like four or five adults to learn oh, the skill. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, um, harvesting um, the grapes for wine. It's a huge enterprise. And all I can say is to me, that's one of the toughest, roles. And my hat goes off to parents, fathers and mothers that are involved in really trying to provide as much as they can for their children. But I don't want them to give up on themselves. I mean, that's my biggest Mm -hmm. beef is I don't want them to give up on their husband. If it's a wife, I don't want the husband to give up on his wife. Still make time to find what I was talking about earlier, things to like about one another. 
things to enjoy about mm-hmm. one another. Don't forfeit your relationship for your child. Don't sacrifice Absolutely. that. It's important to find somewhere in there. It's not easy now. But that's that's even with create. typical children, if you ask me. Don't ever forget. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that you need to, yeah. in order to be a good parent to the adult child or the child, you need to also be a good whatever to your spouse, right? Yeah, we've stepped in, in sometimes more with the women that have been involved with having, you know, young children and stepped in and said to some of our women friends, like, your right, husband's over exactly. Your baby's now six months, you know, see how things are going because things are not going very well. Right. And yeah, no, your point is very well taken and it's very easy. Again, it's very easy to understand both points of view, but you have to yeah. keep the love relationship right. alive. And if you get too caught up in this other right, love relationship, right. which is very easy to be taken up with as infant, you can lose yourself. Just like you can lose yourself. I, I like that you made this yeah, point. Absolutely. Yeah. You can lose yourself. And many do. As I grow through young adulthood, I appreciate that not only did my father teach me values growing up, but every day I see him living out those values and setting an example for what it means to be an adult for respecting others, working hard, and even going to bed at the appropriate time. As you know, we're gonna drop this episode the Friday before Father's Day. So I wanna end on a positive note, and I want you to just leave our listeners with two or three points that you'll hope, you hope they'll take with them this Father's Day weekend. Okay, so what are those points going to be? I uh, you tell me. <laughs> All right, so, well, one thing is from us talking, I think it's really important to not lose yourself when an adult child is trying to give you feedback on some things that hurt them growing up. And on Father's Day, you know, you may have an adult child that wants to take you out for lunch, may want to take you out for breakfast and may want to talk to you about, you know, some things just occurred to me on this day. And I just wanted to tell you about something. So I think it's really important for fathers. And if they get defensive, say that you know what, I really want to hear what you're telling me, but I can tell I'm getting defensive and I want to tell you how you're not seeing it right. But I am really wanting to tell you, I just can't hear it right now, all that you have to say to me, but I want to work on developing that between us. I think that would be really important. And what else? Um, I think between, you know, we're talking about fathers and also sons. I think it's important to not write off your father. If you have a father that is hard-headed, that is stubborn, that is an old school guy, try to approach him with, look it, I get it. We, We grew up in different times, but I want to love you. I do. Even though it's hard for me to tell you that. I want to care about you. Can't say love. I want to like you. I want to care about you. And I can't. I can't. There's things between us that really we need to address. I really want you to hear that. I'm not out to get you, but I really do think we need therapy or if therapy is not part of your world, we need to go talk to our pastor or we need to talk to the rabbi. I cannot be close to you anymore. There's things in between us. I really want to address those. Please, please, I pray or I really want you to hear me. I really want you to hear me. 
Well, that's beautiful. I think that's really, really great advice. And I thank you so much for joining us today. I love your passion. I love your quotes. I love your, you know, using movies as examples. And I know a lot of people listening have wonderful relationships with their adult children. And I hope they build on those. And I think they can even build on those with some of the advice that you gave us today. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hey, Denise, thank you for inviting me. And I really enjoyed talking to you as well. And happy Father's Day. All right. Thanks (laughs) Thanks a lot. Okay. What I most appreciate about my dad is the number of different hats he wears, from friend to mentor to support system, he does it all. I just finished my first year of college, and what I appreciated the most from my father, as I lived away from home for the first time, were his really supportive phone calls and text messages that I always received when I needed them the most. I was really uncertain about what kind of degree I wanted to pursue, and my dad would stop everything that he was doing to call me just to remind me that I still have lots of time to decide and that he's proud of me no matter what. I know that I'm extremely lucky to have my dad in my life. During my first year of college, I realized that I was unique to have such a supportive and understanding father. Other students struggled with either having very controlling parents who chose their majors for them or parents who didn't really care at all. But my dad just wants me to be successful but also ensures that I am happy. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. As you can see, Dr. Goldenberg is very passionate about fathers and their relationships with their children. It seems it's time to move from the parent father to the friend father, and I think we all can watch our relationships grow. Thank you again, Dr. Goldenberg, and happy Father's Day to all of our listeners. And a special note to those of you who may have lost your fathers or don't have a father. Celebrate another relationship you cherish. There's always room for more. And I'd absolutely be remiss if I didn't remind you to visit our website. Check out the mugs or just buy us a cup of coffee. It really helps keep us going. Visit our website at www.biteyourtonguepodcast.com. Look for the tab at the top right that says how to support us. Please send your ideas for episodes to biteyourtonguepodcast at gmail.com. And if you send us an idea, you'll have a chance to win a $150 gift certificate to Shapermint. So just do it today. Also remember to follow us on social media and also a huge shout out to Connie Gorant Fisher, our audio engineer. Thanks again to all of you for listening. But remember, sometimes you may just have to bite your tongue.